During lockdown, I've been recording a series of conversations with a range of people discussing their journeys and life in 2020. The discussions have formed my new podcast series, Pearl Conversations. Joining me for this week's episode is model, businesswoman and boss lady, Leomi Anderson. We caught up at the start of June to discuss lockdown, her experiences in the modelling industry, perceptions of athletes and models, and some of the incredible places her career has taken her. Miss Leomi Anderson, how are you? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you so much for having me on. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm blessed, I can't complain. So how has this period been for you, this whole lockdown, this whole quarantine period? How, how have you found it? Honestly, at the beginning, I was really into it because actually, for me, this is the longest I've ever been able to stay in London consistently probably in 10 years maybe this is the longest that I haven't traveled before in my life ever Mm -hmm. so it was quite interesting for me to just really get into living back at home adjusting my routine and um, at least I'm here for my house renovations so that's really good to see sorry I'm gonna get my lip on no problem (laughs) (laughs) that's funny you said that because I was um I was obviously doing my prep before before we, we Yeah, just, obviously. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> you probably have more makeup on than me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, <laughs> I was listening to an interview you did with I, I don't know her name, but you you expressed how much you love your, your lip balm. That's your like favorite thing. I do. I mentioned it in a lot of my interviews, actually, because everybody needs to understand how important it is to stay hydrated. This is where you speak from. Your words need to be moist and juicy when they're coming out. The delivery is not the same when the lips are chapped. (laughs) Just dropping gems for them, dropping gems. It's definitely Uh, a confidence booster. (laughs) Uh, What I want to talk to you about is your experience in the modeling industry and particularly the the black experience in the modeling industry because not that I'm an expert or anything but from what I like seen it's 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 very different to um other people's experiences yeah definitely I I started modeling when I was 14 um I was scouted when I was coming home from school and ever since then I I realized that modeling was not what people thought it was going to be um it definitely wasn't what was portrayed to me within the media when I was growing up shout out to Tyra Banks for completely blindsiding me because I definitely thought it was going to be like such an amazing and fun experience um but I actually feel that the first time I ever really experienced ignorance or racism was when I entered into the fashion industry Um, I think that fashion is a place that people feel very, um, or people think is very free and open and just like, oh, this crazy kind of free world, but it's not. At the end of the day, it's still run basically by rich white men. So that definitely has a trickle effect on everything else and minimalizing black voices. 
how would you say the experiences of being the only black person in a complete white space? Hmm. Well, first, you don't even really notice it because you're just so used to moving in the world and being one of the only black people in a room. I think that that goes from down to when I was in primary school, being like one of two black kids, then, you know, secondary school is a little bit more mixed. But, you know, when you start doing your first jobs and work experience and stuff like that, like you're usually, you kind of get used to being the only black person. But the thing is with fashion, um, there aren't really any rules or regulations. So there's some of the experiences that black models have. Um, some of the things that are said to us from a very early age, some of the, the experiences and situations we're put in um, that our white counterparts are not put into. And that's when things start to feel weird because you're like, okay, models are already generally treated like shit so when you get treated even more like shit because you're black you're like wait hold on what is this like what is actually going on and to think this is before I was 16 years old I was like raw like what, what what is this this is my first job I thought that jobs are meant to be places where as long as you work hard you can progress but I, I realized really quickly that actually uh, the modeling industry isn't like that it's not really about how hard you necessarily work um, and race will definitely play a factor in how you're treated and the experiences that you have within the industry. Um, something you touched on there, like a lot of misconceptions about like modeling, especially at the at the level you do it, um, Victoria. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> um, is that it's all like glitz and glam? Is all is all like such a fun and I'm sure it is fun, but it's such a like a easy it doesn't require too much work doesn't require too much effort you just have to go somewhere and look pretty and it's just like easy work where in reality if you do it properly that's far from the truth i think that if you do any sort of modeling um that it, it never resembles what you see on tv at any level honestly because um when you first enter into the industry as a young girl um, or young boy, whatever, um, you're basically in debt when you start with your agency. So that's something that a lot of people don't know, but nothing is for free. So when you're first doing your test shoots and stuff like that, sometimes you'll be in charge for those, your book to be on the website, all these things basically put a young model in debt actually at the beginning of their career so even when they do start to work and earn money they don't actually see that money so that's just first of all that's just straight out the gate the industry is already blindsided you because you're thinking wait hold on i'm working and i'm not seeing any of this money i don't think that i made money until i was like maybe like 18 17 or 18 from modeling from the age of 14 but also I wasn't full-time I went full-time when I was that age as well but just all those jobs that I was doing in between when I was in secondary school and beginning college and stuff like that even my first two fashion week seasons or maybe even my first three fashion week seasons I wasn't making any bread and designers will try and pay you in clothes as well like that like that's going to do anything now my case is overweight <laughs> and I have to pay 60 pounds for my overweight suitcase which is probably crap by the way because it's not the good stuff they'll be giving you it's like the sales section of their mm. website that's what they want to give to models and you really have to work your way up to to even get to even a, a 
a speck of what you thought the industry was going to be like. Um, I feel like I've been modeling now for what, 12, nearly 13 years, yeah. And I would feel, I feel like only the past three years or three, yeah, three to four years would I say that how people think the modeling industry is or how models live is my life now. But all those years prior to that, it was just like a real, real grind from living in New York, all that kind of stuff. It was not how it appears on social media and it's not how it appears on TV at all. I wish it was. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish I could come here and tell you my job is easy. Not my fault that I look the way that I look or whatever, but nah, to actually get places of modeling, you need to have like so much grit. And when did you, <clears throat> you talked about the finances, you talked about, um, the modeling agency and how they run their accounts and stuff like when did you realize or when did you reach a level where you properly understood that this was a fully functioning business oh uh, i think that the first time you realize that modeling is a fully functioning business it's not so much to do with the financial aspect but it's actually listening to how agents speak about models that's when i realized these people don't see us as well of course every agent's different and of course they they see us as human beings or whatever but i mean that when they're on the phone and they're talking to a client or they're negotiating a deal or whatever the case may be they're talking about you as if you're like a commodity like you're i don't know like you're this like you're a rock okay mm. and they will talk about you as if i don't know like it's just a transaction and that's when i started to realize oh okay wow this is how they talk about us and especially when I first began modeling, um, it was very common practice for agents to get emails from clients like, oh, um, we're looking for a light-skinned girl with curly hair, um, no dark girls, no this, no, no African features, no this, no that, you know. And agents were just like, okay, fine, that person's not going to be black girl and blah, 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 blah. And I'm realizing like, bro, like, you should have been saying no from then, but you're not because it's to do with money. You don't see us as individual people and you, they didn't see those sort of emails as wrong because we were kind of just part of a transaction. And that's when I realized that this is a business. That, um, that needs a bit of unpacking to be honest on a few different levels. Um, Come on now. I'm, I'm coming <laughs> from deep, deep, deep. <laughs> um, but, oh, I'll, I'll get back to the colorism, colorism aspects of that in a second, but, how did you go about, because 18 years old at school, we, we never really, they didn't really teach you how to necessarily do your taxes or file your tax return or, you know, create a company or et cetera, et cetera. So how, yeah. did, you, how did you go about learning that and what was your process? Well, okay. So my process is that I'm still learning about everything to this day because A, everything keeps on changing and B, it takes you a while to um, really get a, a handle on your financial literacy as a model because firstly, when you start out, if nobody else in your family has been self-employed before, it's new to everybody in your family, you know, and everybody in my family just had regular like nine to fives. I was one of the first self-employed people in my family. So they were trusting my modeling agency to be able to guide me and find me an accountant and all these sort of things. But I feel now looking back, the accountant that they got for me did my accounts wrong. Okay. Because I've realized that I was paying so much more than 
what I paid in years after that and I earned way less then. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. But what can you do? And then when I tried to find my own accountant or offer a recommendation, uh, she had me fucked up as well. And I'm actually still to this day dealing with an investigation, yeah, a tax investigation because of the year 2015 because she messed up my accounts that much so for me it's like an ever growing process and it's always a learning process because every time you try and trust people it just it gets messed up and that's the thing that I would love to tell models as well anybody in the creative industry is to make sure you really get a handle on all of that and you find people that you can trust and also that sometimes paying extra for an expensive ask accountant is actually worth it (laughs) so yeah it's a learning process as as successful people as a successful individual there's many people around you who would be um who would be like attracted to be around you for like a number of different reasons one and some of them don't have like your best interest at heart whether it's like modeling agencies whether it's it could even be accountants it could be like mm-hmm. business partners etc how how do you do you have a methodology or a process or how do you try and navigate or try and get people away who are trying to take advantage how do you how do you spot that well I think that being in the modeling industry that is one thing that I would say is good about it because it does teach you about how to be around a wide variety of different people and to be able to see like basically be able to read people and see whether they are coming from a genuine place and I think that starts from very early on in any model's career because you want to have people talking about your body how you look you're going to get people rejecting you from jobs or whatever the case may be and you're just trying to figure out where this person's intentions came from um so it becomes kind of common practice actually to second guess people I think like new people that come around Mm. uh you have models who move to a whole new country can't speak English learn English within a year they adopt what they think is like an American lifestyle or whatever, and they end up just having all these people around them who don't have their best interests at heart. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen girls come into the modeling industry with just like wide eyes and so excited and so happy. They get all these people around them and those people just end up ruining their lives basically, whether it be their boyfriend who's also a club promoter, who's also her landlord, or another model that she thought was her best friend that she moved in with after one month and now she's fucking your man. Like, whatever the case may be, I've just seen so many situations, yeah, within the modern industry. That just made me think, nah, I'm, I'm always trying to, like, understand someone's intentions when they approach me just because I've seen some very, very, like, messed up situations makes for great tv though hence why i'm going to be working on my netflix series but uh, i would not personally like to be in the middle of those kind of dramas yeah i don't know oh sorry to answer your question then actually it's not necessarily that i have a methodology because some people are very good at disguising themselves but just naturally um i don't like to have a lot of new people around me in the first place like i'm the type of person you already know. <laughs> Come on, like Ted just been like what since we were sixteen years old. Like all of my friends are my closest friends. I've known for more than ten years. Anybody else that I met within those ten years, you can be on the the periphery. Uh, yeah, you could. There's still you're still some people could still be part of the circle within the ten years, 
but there's like a core of that circle that you yeah. will not be able to penetrate but you can still be maybe on the circumference and i can still have a lot of love for those people and i have a lot of good friends but honestly core people one hand <laughs> that's good um i think it's actually so important to to have like people around you who, who you can trust especially people who've like you like knew you before you were this big thing and this still see you as that same person that will jumping on the bus together catching the 292 <laughs> <laughs> to exactly. uh, colorism how <laughs> how have you what have your experiences of colorism within modeling what what what, what has that been like well, it depends on even where you want to start with this, because I think that, um, again, it's such a multifaceted topic when it comes to the fashion industry, because firstly, we can talk about the fact that there's already minimal representation of black people in the fashion industry. Then we move on to the fact that when they, when they do put black men or women um, in campaigns, they're usually more fair-skinned, they, they usually have more Eurocentric features. And I feel like we're moving in a more positive direction now because um, I think because the consumer actually was given power through social media to say, I want to see people who look like me. Um, but prior to that, the fashion industry never respected models. So even when we were complaining to our agents or whatever, they were complicit because they were the ones who, when they saw these emails from clients that were colorists that were racist they were overlooking it so i feel that agents were very complicit in um aiding the colorism that thrived in the fashion industry but i think that things are progressing now because as i said the consumer is now being able to speak up and say no i, I don't want to look through a magazine and only see white faces or i don't want to look up a, a, a billboard and only see white people but um we still have a long way to go for sure we still have a long way to go for sure but i guess my first experience of colorism was or racism was when i began to travel to places like germany and italy and i'd be sitting at classes for three hours and then the client will come out and say sorry we don't want any african people even though they've seen me sitting there for three hours or say stuff like oh yeah maybe last season we were looking for africans but not this season haha <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> are you mad like are you actually crazy but at the time we were just told to take it on the chin and again i blame agents a lot for this because when we would complain and tell them oh this is what happened to us i'm just like oh huh. sorry let's go through that ah acting like someone just said oh we don't want you for the job like someone's a whole racist and our agents would just be like ah take it on the chin don't worry about it you're strong you're professional some crap <laughs> bullshit <laughs> Is is that changing in, in in terms of like the age agent side age, agent side of things? Well, here's my thing. Okay, so of course things are changing because a lot more agents are young. We have a whole new generation of agents. Like the people who would have been my agents, but like five to ten years ago, I they either don't work in the modeling industry anymore. They've moved into something else. Like most people, I think that agents don't have. They have a long life cycle, but sometimes they just all cut at one time, if that makes any yeah. sense. Like, it's just like a cycle with them. And obviously, we have a lot more 
fresh and young agents out there who obviously don't have those ideas um however it just we have to think about are people changing their ideas because that's actually what they they mentally think okay no how it was before was wrong or is it i don't want to get backlash um everybody's on this whole diversity thing now so i have to act like i'm on it because as this current climate is showing you a lot of people will be putting up black squares or saying that they support certain things or certain movements or have a certain mentality but then they get exposed for um actually being otherwise and i think that that is also a very big question within the fashion industry because um a lot of people were saying well we need diversity we need this we need that but in your own homes do you actually feel that way when you're in a boardroom of all white people do you feel that there should be other races there or do you just feel comfortable that this is how things should be and these are questions that people need to start asking themselves because it's not enough to just say, oh, no, I believe in diversity. I'm not racist. So I, I can't really tell you whether ages have really changed or whether it's just that the circumstances have forced the fashion industry to, to change their, their approach to things. I think a lot of people, a lot of brands especially, want to be seen to do the right thing. So they want to, they they like try and diversify or try and put messages out to diversify but deep down it's questionable whether they actually think uh i actually think this is the right thing to do or whether it's i'm just doing this because i don't want to get heat on twitter or i don't want people mm-hmm. emailing me nonsense and all that kind of stuff but yeah exactly but pressure pressure regardless though like pressure makes diamonds and even if brands are doing things for the wrong intentions um we still seem to be getting a little bit of progress with the results it's, so it doesn't sometimes like it does i don't think it really matters actually sometimes whether a, a company is doing something for the right reasons because at the end of the day we live in a capitalist society i feel that most companies only care about their bottom line and if um racism and ignorance happens to not work for their bottom line and then gets removed then it's still it's still a move in the right direction hit them where the money where the where the the money is exactly that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying there's other ways that we can we can move with these brands if they don't want us we don't want them and i think that's the sort of mentality that will really really like create change once they see that the black pound or dollar yeah. has been retracted from their company and they see it fall that's when they're going to mm. turn and be like right okay yeah i think even speaking more gl- like globally like black economic empowerment is just so important it's like it, it starts it starts with economic empowerment then then that really does affect political and social change but um mm. Well, that's something for another day. Um, I know that's for another yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, what about other, like your colleagues, in terms of do they do they say all these like microaggressions to you, like in terms of like, oh, you're like pretty for like a dark skin girl, or or are they a bit more progressed than that? Well, now, now things are a little bit more progressed, but then there's still a lot of subtle microaggressions and subtle um, stereotypes that uh, my colleagues still um, are very tone deaf to, some of them. Uh, For example, um, I know that this is the experience of most black models, um, that if there is 
not always obviously and not to generalize all white gay males i'm not saying that but sometimes you're you're in a situation where it's like they'll be addressing everybody else in a certain way like hey you're right da, 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 da. and then when you come in it's hey girl yes what's the tea and i'm just like i'm just like <laughs> especially when i'm in america i love to do this thing where they'll be like oh what's the tea and i'll be like what they're like what's the tea i'm like i'm british i don't understand like we don't we don't say that so wh like what does that mean he's like oh what's going on i'm like oh okay yeah right i understand that because you know it's just really annoying issues that um black models face and um, that is still very very prominent is the issue with hair and makeup and despite the fact that we're in 2020 and obviously a lot of makeup brands now cater to a, a wide variety of skin tones um it's now the the next step of whether the makeup artists are actually um skilled enough to be able to do our skin and our hair um that's a huge problem that's a very very big problem i think that has not been resolved yet but isn't that such an easy fix is that just employ you would think that you'd think that when i tweeted that in 2016 and it went viral you would think that that something would be different but unfortunately no and uh, unfortunately even to this day as in like just a few days ago i was just on the phone was discussed a lot of different topics but also that the fact that i don't want to be the only black person on set i don't want to go to set and be anxious that my makeup is not going to be done well i also don't want to be penalized if i do my own makeup and come to set i don't want to feel like i don't want to be made to feel weird about doing that but i also shouldn't have to do that and so yeah in this climate i'm using this time to also bring that up with a lot of my clients because it's not fair and I'm 27 so I can speak up for myself or I can be like nah this makeup's not good or whatever and sometimes I still don't say that but I think about my younger self and those girls who are coming into the industry who are not brave enough to speak up for themselves yet um yeah so I think it's really a, a huge problem because it can knock your confidence and it can make you feel like you're not as good as a, a good of a model as the white girl next to you because she just generally looks better but it's actually not your fault throughout the years obviously I've tried different ways of trying to get around the the makeup issue um sometimes I bring my own makeup products to set well i always do that i always wear my own hair and makeup products um sometimes i would try to come to the job with my makeup already done and you would be greeted with a, a makeup artist who feels offended that you have felt the need to do that and because oh i i've done naomi campbell's makeup one time or oh i've i just done a black girl last week so why do you seem to have a problem like i should be able to do your makeup take it off type you know that's the kind of energy that they try and come with and honestly uh they don't realize how uh how much anxiety it can give a young model to have to go to set and deal with that um and deal with the the chances that maybe you might be greeted with a hair and makeup team who is actually not only ill-equipped but offended if you try to question them or question the products that they use and i recent no not recently actually that well, there's so many stories, but my main story that I think really demonstrates that was when I was backstage at a show in Milan um, and I had so much drama with the hair people going back and forth about how they wanted it to look. The designer said he didn't want extensions. They glued in a whole head of extensions, but I just didn't say anything because I just felt too nervous and scared. 
then the designer told them to rip them all out so it was just like oh my gosh this is so much drama and then the the lead hairdresser went to put um a hair products in my hair that would make my hair go curly um, and the look was meant to be straight and I just explained to him you know this water-based product is going to make my hair go curly and he bugged out he was like what the fuck bitch who the fuck do you think you're talking to um who do you think you are telling me how to do my job uh, I can ruin your career in two seconds do you not know who I am like going off and I'm saying that it was a room of maybe a hundred people and everybody just fell silent and everyone was watching this guy berate me and this is when I was like what 17 or yeah I think I was 17 or just turned 18 years old and I just remember just feeling so shocked that he was speaking to me in that way and just so embarrassed and the fact that everybody just waited until he'd finished and stormed out of the room and then people came to my aid um but yeah that's not the first instance of that and I don't I still feel like that can happen to a young girl now just because there is no regulations then you don't really feel like you have a voice sometimes as a minority within the fashion industry as you've gotten older and your voice has become stronger has those types of instances reduced definitely but then it's also like not every model is going to become a Victoria's Secret angel. So what about no? But honestly, <laughs> really though, like it's. Yeah, but it's what, what what about those girls though who who people are not scared to be rude to? People will probably probably have those thoughts sometimes when working with me, or think or whatever their whatever headspace they're in, they're still less likely to reveal how they feel to me because now I've established myself. I have a following, people listen to what I have to say, but that's why it's so important for me that even though I'm in this position and less likely to encounter these scenarios, that I do speak up on it, even if it's something that happened to me years ago, because it is still prevalent today. And people might not want to listen to the girl who doesn't have the biggest Instagram followers or hasn't done all these big jobs. And so that's why to me, it's so important that even when you technically rise above that kind of treatment, which you, I don't think you ever really do. Um, I think it's very important that you continue to speak up. And that's why I'm, I'm always talking about the, the, the negative side of the fashion industry as well as the positive, because people need to remember that it's still there. Just because a few more black models have made it to the top doesn't mean that the treatment is fair. Well, I'm trying to get an understanding of the relationship slash environment of like models together do they like clap for each other's success or is it like super competitive and everyone's fighting for the same thing so that it's not really a to be honest um to be honest i think that people would love if i was to say that oh the model industry is so bitchy and catty and stuff like that but it's not it's not i feel like it's just like any other workplace sometimes people are going to be competitive with one another sometimes you're going to be happy for that person i don't think that there's really one one way that the, the the modeling industry is to be honest um i think especially among black models 10 years ago it was our white agents who were trying to put into our heads that we shouldn't be friends with other black models actually they were the ones who would tell us oh that black girl's your competition oh there's only one breakthrough black girl every season um if it's not going to be you it's probably going to be that girl like it was actually white people who put that that thought process into black models heads they would say stuff like yeah go on 
Was it? Wasn't that the whole Naomi Tyra beef type thing? Isn't that how that started? Yeah, but that's the thing. That's 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 very normal though, and that's very normal in both acting and modeling industry that your agents make you feel that you shouldn't even be friends with someone who could possibly get a job that you could get. And they only really applied that to black girls because that's what Gabrielle Union recently said in one of her interviews as well, was that she would be one of those people who would be like, oh, I don't want to have, um, you know, like another black girl on set and stuff like that. But really that, that was not down to the models mindset, but it was really the environment that we were kind of, um, brought up in but to me personally though I've never been that way I've always been just someone that's just like boy if someone gets something over me they're just meant to have it in it I was just very secure in myself that if they didn't want me it's not anything personal and I just never took anything personal but for other people it was emotionally scarring I think to be told all the time that you shouldn't speak to another black girl because they can have a negative effect on your life basically I think that's crazy well, yeah, that is, that, is, that, is, that is kind of wild, to be honest. Mm. That is kind of wild. Um, congratulations on your relaunch. Thank uh, you. Thank you very much. That, that brand, Leomi Anderson, The People, The Purpose. The Project, The Purpose. The pro- oh, brand. Close though, close though. <laughs> but it's cool because yeah, it's so funny purpose. that you say that because when I first launched, I was like, the piece could be anything. It could be the project, the purpose, the people, the whatever they wanted it to be. So it's quite funny that you say that. But then I just stuck with just like the project, the purpose. Just had a ring to it. What's your What's your vision for for the brand? Well, it's kind of going as as I envisioned actually so far. Um, I really want Black to become an established athleisure brand um, in the the luxury sportswear space which it's kind of doing already which I'm really happy about um, because I didn't want it to be necessarily a fast fashion brand I don't really agree with how fast fashion brands work and I'm really just trying to make sure that I'm producing quality content and quality garments uh, and just taking my brand to the next level and then with the the magazine side or the blog side I really want to be able to keep growing that and begin to do networking events once lockdown is released i want to collaborate with bigger brands and bigger companies to be able to bring events that bring women together so yeah with lap i have a very ambitious kind of vision for it but it's it's already taken shape as long as i'm consistent with it i know for a fact that it will continue to grow when did you start lap so i started lap in 2016 and then i had to take a year's break which is why I had to relaunch it because it's a long story. It's a very long story, which is a whole other podcast. But basically, essentially, I started working with someone who ended up not being a really good business partner. And then they essentially stole my stuff um, to try and like blackmail me to pay loads of money, like more than what they invested into my company. They wanted back within seven days, apparently. It's a whole long story but I basically had to relaunch my brand. So I'd say from 2016 to the end of 2018, it was consistent. And then I had to have basically a year's break. And we'll be come back. back. We'll be back, baby. And Exactly. And See, look, you... I even have like little tracksuit that you can wear. See? Yeah, well, let's That's right, little... I'll do a little... Uh, <laughs> <buy it. laughs> no. Hello? Um, I know you can afford it. 
<laughs> no problem. No problem. Um, should change me. Support black business. Support black business. No, I'll support it. I'll support it. No, no. Um, and what what were your what were your like reasons of starting it? Because like modeling, I was about to say to the shelf life of modeling, but some people are modeling into their like 50s, 60s. Naomi's modeling at 50 and she's still going. But what's your like, <laughs> oh, not really. Yes, <laughs> I didn't say that. That was like, I didn't listen. There was a fly flying around the room. I just happened to cross over when when you said that. Um, but, um, but nah, yeah. for me, yeah, modeling is cool and everything. But at the end of the day, you're always being made into somebody else's image. You're always on call for somebody else. You're always, you know, being a part of somebody else's vision. And I just felt like I'm more than that I've always felt that I'm more than that and more than just a face I always said when I first entered into the modeling industry that um I didn't feel that I could ever be as successful as I could be if I just remained trying to please other people and just kept trying to get higher within the modeling field as soon as I began to focus my energy on my other skill set and my other assets, everything else started to fall into place. So I did get more modeling jobs. I did get the opportunity to get a contract for a brand as big as Victoria's Secret and all that. But really, those things only came once I started saying, you know what, I just want to speak about what I care about and I want to move the way that I want to move and I want to put out stuff that I want to put out. And then people started respecting me in a, in a different way, I think. What led you to that point? Uh, I've always been this way, you know. I've always been this way. I've always been someone who's just like, I don't want to just be doing one thing. Even when I first started modeling and I was in college, I would be the person that would have to bring all my school schoolwork with me backstage at shows because I didn't want to fall behind because I, I just didn't want modeling to be the thing that determined how my life was going to go. So from the jump, I always knew it was important for me to get good grades. I know a lot of people that if they started modeling from the age of 14, college, bye, or they would not be taking college seriously, you know, but to me, it was always like, nah, I want to be able to do something else. I want to be able to utilize my other, other skills. Um, and then I think with, with LAP starting, um, I already had my own personal blog and I wrote a piece on there about consent and the pressures that young girls were under to send nudes. And that went viral. And I was like, okay so I can talk about something outside of fashion and still be respected and still be heard and also start an important conversation and from then I just kept figuring out ways to get my voice out there and to speak on things that I'm passionate about outside of the fashion industry it's just always been like I, to me I could never imagine just being a model to me that's just like nah allow it the reason why I'm asking because often like with the with sport with mm. athletes they they say oh he's just an athlete oh he's he's not that clever or all these like negative stereotypes um mm. associated with being an athlete is that the same with being a model it, or it well you not? tell me you tell me what do you think about when you think of a model like what are your first thoughts i'm pretty That's sure it's not 
education is not intelligence. People just have this perception of, uh, of pretty young women that we're dumb, that uh, especially models that we, because we, we're paid or whatever, that we don't even want to get smarter. And that's just not the case. To be honest, I met some of the smartest people that I've ever come across within the modeling industry and their models. Girls who are flipping brain surgeons and stuff like that now who 10 years ago would be doing their work backstage at a Mark Jacobs show you know but oh because she's a model people wouldn't even assume that she had any other sort of ambitions um a lot of amazing business women that I have met who have thriving businesses I've met when they were models telling me oh yeah I'm saving up for my business or I'm saving up because I want to do property or I'm saving up to do this or that like for some people modeling really is just a means to get to their their next phase in life or to pay for something you know and I think it's really it's getting so tired honestly that whole oh models are dumb kind of thing and I think that social media is showing that models are more multifaceted um, but prior to that it was very much like people wouldn't take you seriously and even when you were doing serious things people didn't want to take you seriously I feel like you know I've spoken at Oxford University Cambridge all that but only once I'd done a TED talk, then people were like, oh, okay, wow, maybe she actually, okay, that's a bit serious, you know? Um, or when I started doing more news pieces, people were like, oh, wow, like she actually can switch up. Oh, she's, you know, she sounds eloquent. She's intelligent. And it's just like, mm, I've been that actually. <laughs> I've always been that. Uh, it's just that your own perception of, uh, of a young woman stopped you from actually being able to see past that and yeah so it's it's interesting it's very interesting to see how different people approach you i think it's, it's also it's those types of situations and those types of encounters often tell you more about them than they than you find out about yourself exactly exactly that's always the case and i'm sure you come across it all the time all the time yeah it happens a lot that happens a lot. As, as you've mentioned previously, uh, we have a mutual, mutual friend, f family, cousin, whatever, yeah. Tedri Obana. And quite naturally, as I told you, I so I, I did my prep before before speaking to Miss Leomi Jasmine Anderson. Okay, <laughs> try to give you my whole government. <laughs> Thanks, okay. Thanks for that. <laughs> one um, bit of information that you you know that he made sure to relate to you my whole name <laughs> no that was wikipedia to be honest <laughs> <laughs> wikipedia also said i had a kid at one point so don't don't listen to everything that's on there um well, he gave she, he gave me some like he actually didn't really tell me what exactly was going on but he, he gave me some leading some oh, here we go, Tej. Am I going to have to beat this guy up? Yes or no? <laughs> he gave me some leading comments. Nothing too bad, to be fair. Okay. Uh, I'll quote him. He said, Also, you can touch on Naomi's living progression in New York. From some roach-infested apartment to her <laughs> mad housemate <laughs> trying to buy a house in the UK. <laughs> ah, okay. So... Yeah, I will definitely say that moving to New York when I was, what, 20 was probably the maddest time of my life. Like, I don't think I'll have a time that was more crazy than when I was living in America, honestly. 
And I think that that, you know, when people say not like their good years are behind them, but you know, when you think the most chaotic times of your life are behind you, I don't think there could be anything crazier than those few years. Because prior to that, I would go to New York every single summer to, um, or I go there twice a year, actually, for fashion week. And I would stay there maybe like three months of the year, right? Um, and then I was sick of model apartments. Well, that's where I started. That's where the roaches were, actually. Just to be clear, they were not in my apartment in New York. They were in the model apartment, okay? I obviously moved into a roach-free, well, I lived in Harlem, so there were still a few roaches every every now and then, but they were not necessarily inside of my my residence. Big New York. Oh, they're horrible. It's disgusting. Like New York is not like I don't know. Like people say that they really want to live there and all this sort of stuff. I would advise everybody to think very carefully about that because it's not what people think, especially now. Like when I was there, it was lit. I can't lie. It was lit. It was disgusting. It was grimy, but it was fun. But now, mm, I don't how, know. How long did you live there? So I had my apartment in Harlem for two years. And I literally lived there. As in, I probably came back to London four weeks of the year for two years. Or oh, wow. four, five, yeah, pretty much. Um, sometimes I would get so homesick. I would come to London for three or four days. And I spent, bearing in mind I was fine economy these times, I spent like more than 15,000 pounds on flights the first year that I lived there because I just wasn't feeling it. And then the second year that I, I lived there was after me and my ex broke up and it was just weird. Like it was a much better time. It was less chaotic, obviously, because he just brought mad shit to my life, but it really just allowed me to grow as a person. So um, I think that New York is great for short periods of time, but to live there, you need to really, really know yourself and be strong on yourself because there are going to be days when you just wake up and you hear a fucking crackhead outside your window who's in the car park and you're just thinking to yourself, I just want to go home. I just want Greg's. I just want, you know, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. But then, you know, Harlem always had flavour though. That's one thing I did love about it. It always had flavour. And do you have... Obviously, you've got to meet, like, really, like, weird and wonderful people, like, very, very well-established people. Do you have any interesting, funny stories that you can divulge on that? Hmm. What stories can I divulge? Mm. See, that's always a tricky question. You should have given me this one beforehand because there's so many stories, but you know, you have to think yeah, in your head. True, true, true. Is it possible to, to tell a story <laughs> without like, you know? Mm. Um, okay, let me think. No, I have, I have several different, different ones that are interesting, um, but the real juicy ones, that's for a time that's off of this podcast, I think, because <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not trying to get sued. I'm not trying to like ruin any fans' perception of their favorite artists or whatever. So some of them I have to, you know, leave. But I would definitely say working with Kanye West was insane for Yeezy season one and two. Um, that was incredible. I was one of the models who did um, the hair and makeup test. So I was working with them closely for a few days prior to the show, which was crazy because you got to see Kanye styling. This is when North just learned how to walk. So she's running around. You had Kim, Chloe, everyone back, like 
um, behind the scenes. And this was, it was just an incredible process to be a part of. Um, the, the rehearsal was definitely memorable, shall we say. Um, can't really say much more than that because people will be saying, oh, I don't know. But as I said, models are not always necessarily, uh, let me just stop there. Just stop there. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think, but honestly, like it was yeah. an amazing experience. I wouldn't change it for the world. That's the thing. Like I wouldn't change it for the world is the bottom line. Um, obviously I've worked with the likes of Rihanna. Rihanna's exactly how you'd visualize her to be. She's amazing. She's funny. She's powerful. She's high. She's, She's just really, she's just really, and I, I love working with her. Um, and yeah, I've worked with loads of people, but those two are like very inspirational people to me. So, do, do you ever, do you, have, you, have you ever got starstruck, or are you just like, ah, oh, that's cool? Um, to be honest, I, I wouldn't say starstruck, but Rihanna's someone that whenever I see her, I do feel very happy because of what she represents as well because i see her as more than just a musician i really really fuck with her business acumen as well so i wouldn't say starstruck where i'm like oh, but i'm always just like yeah. oh this is sick because she's just a sick person so I, but i wouldn't say starstruck yeah. um who's had me starstruck i've even met beyonce so i mean if i didn't get starstruck then i don't think there's anyone that can make me starstruck <laughs> but um yeah i wouldn't use this I, I don't think i ever get starstruck and i think that's something again that I learned from my older brother because he has a lot of like famous friends and stuff like that. So I think from a young age, I realized just treat, treat everyone the same, no matter how big they might be to you or whatever, just treat everybody the same. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. My final question is what hmm. does success look like for you? Success, success, mm. success to me is, someone who hmm someone or is it something success how does it look to me okay so to me success is just being able to accept that you're not a perfect person but to like love every inch of yourself and to use even your own weaknesses to your advantage i think that's what success looks like um i think that people who think that success is perfection will never really be able to revel in those happy moments uh, because they'll always be trying to get to the next place. I think that if you accept that you can't control everything, you're not perfect, um, but you're willing to work really, really hard, that success should just look like someone who's just comfortable in themselves, confident, secure, because all those things to me lead to success. I don't think success can be quantified by a certain lifestyle or, lifestyle or about by the amount of money that's in your account. I think that success is a, is a vibe. I think that successful people always have an air about them. So it's, that's, I can't really quantify what success is, but I think it's a feeling and it's a, a happiness. Awesome. Mr. All right. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you.